Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. It's great to be here today. I'm excited to, uh, to kind of wrap up this message, although... Uh, as I'll say continually through this message, this isn't just a message. Uh, Jason said at the outset of the service, this isn't really a campaign. Um, this is a culture thing. And the question we're asking is, what does it mean to be for Peterborough? What does it mean to be for our city? What does it mean to be for our community? What does it mean to be for our neighbors? What does it mean to be for our schools? What does it mean to be for our local government? What does it mean to be for people who might be nothing like us? What does it mean to be for people that don't believe what we believe? What does it mean to be for Peterborough? As I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, kicking this thing off, Peterborough was not my home. I, I was not born and raised in the city of Peterborough, but I have lived here for 20 years, and Peterborough is now my home. I've lived here longer than any other place, and I love the city of Peterborough. We kicked off the series by saying, hey, what, if you had to take a family or a friend who was coming to Peterborough for the first time to one place, where would it be? And so we had all kinds of responses. We looked at the TripAdvisor list. Uh, this week, I wanted to ask the question, um, what is your favorite local restaurant? What is the place that you would love to eat if you had the opportunity? And so rather than going to TripAdvisor, I posted something on Facebook, and I got a whole bunch of responses from you, the people of our church. And so I have the top five based on the number of times that this particular restaurants were mentioned. So if you don't like the list, talk to the people around you. It's their fault. All right, so we got the top local restaurants. Here they are, uh, and if you're looking for a great place to go out uh, to eat, here's number one, Matsu Sushi. I don't understand that, but I will, I will accept it, you know. <laughs> I like to cook my food personally. Uh, number two, we have uh, Favorite Greek, and, and that's an answer I can get behind. So we got Favorite Greek. Uh, in third place, we had uh, the Ashburnham Ale House. Yeah, so lots of votes for that. Uh, and then a couple others here. Number four, we had Cosmic Charlie's. I haven't eaten there, so that's, that's a, that's a, that'll be fun. Number five, <laughs> Apollo Burger. I have eaten there. Uh, so, you know what? If you go onto our Facebook page, you can join the conversation, share your favorites, and see all of the other great recommendations. Uh, I think it's important to support local business and to, to experience what our city has to offer. And there are lots of amazing things in our city. You know, uh, because I wasn't born here, I didn't know a lot of the history of Peterborough. So this week I did some research and I was, I was learning about the history of the city of Peterborough. Some of you probably know all this stuff and I'm not going to share a whole bunch, but I learned who Adam Scott was, right? How this guy like settled in, in where the downtown Peterborough area is and created a mill and then others began to, to kind of come and settle around the area. And then there was a guy uh, by the name of Peter, Peter Robinson. I'm like, isn't that the guy from, uh, anyway, Winnie the Pooh? Christopher Robinson. Robbins. I don't know. It's all the same to me. <laughs> uh, so we got Peter Robinson, and, uh, and he was a guy that, that, helped, um, that helped to uh, a, a group of people immigrate into Canada and settle the area. I believe they were Catholics from Ireland, I believe, um, if I get my facts right. But about 2,000 people came and began to settle in the area, and Peterborough became a town. And then, of course, through the years, it began to grow. Uh, one of the things I found out about our city, which I thought was pretty cool, is that it was at one time called Electric City. And the reason why is because it was one of the first towns to have a, a hydroelectric dam. 
where they were producing electricity. Even before Niagara Falls had anything, we had electricity here in Peterborough. Peterborough was the first town in all of Canada to have electric-powered city streetlights. Yeah, we've been lighting it up for like 135 years around here. <laughs> this is really awesome. Uh, so there's just all this fascinating history about uh, our city. And as we talk about it, uh, I want to be clear about something. That when I'm talking about being for Peterborough and for our city, I'm not just specifically speaking about the city limits, okay? So we've got a little map here to show you. And, of course, you can see the, the outline of the city of Peterborough. That's the shape of the city limits. But, of course, our church is not just a church for the city of Peterborough, but for Peterborough and the surrounding area, right? So we have people in our church that, that come from the east of Peterborough, from Duro, from Warsaw, even from Havelock. And then to the north, we have people from Lakefield, Buckhorn, Ennismore. To the west, we've got Omimi. Okay, there we go. We got one. We got Omimi to the west. We got Cavan to the southwest, South Monaghan. We have all of these towns and cities around. You know, it's amazing to me when I open up this book, what I discover is that God actually talks a lot about strategic cities. And if you read about the Old Testament nation of Israel, there were specific cities like Jerusalem and Samaria and Jericho. And they came, like, there's all these, these cities that are critical to the plan of God. And I, I often wonder, well, what's so special about cities? Why does God talk about cities so much in his book? And I think the reason why God focuses on cities is because cities are full of people. And God cares about people. And not only are cities full of people that God loves, uh, but cities are growing. You may not know this, but there has been a move towards urbanization. For the past 50 years, people have been leaving the countryside and congregating in cities that are growing larger all the time. Not only that, but cities become the central hub for economy, for politics, for culture. And so when you affect a city, you affect the entire surrounding area. Would you agree? That all the people living in the surrounding areas of Peterborough are coming to Peterborough, working, doing business, and all of those things. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, I really do believe that God has a plan for our city. And I also believe that he will accomplish his plan with or without us. And so it's really incumbent upon us to step into what God is doing and say, God, use me. God, here are my hands. Here are my feet. How can I be part of what you're doing in this city? And he won't just do it through Pathway Church. He's going to use multiple churches and people from outside the church. God is not. He, he will use whoever he has to do whatever he's going to do. But we have the opportunity to step in and be involved with his plan. And so that's what I want to encourage us to do. We've been asking this question, which is a very serious question. What if Pathway Church disappeared? Would anybody notice? And it's a great question. Like, if this community of, of believers, us who, who seek to follow Christ and live together in community, if we disappeared, if Pathway Church was no longer here, would our city feel the impacts of it? I would like to think the answer is yes. But there's a part of me that knows there's so much more to be done. Wouldn't you agree? And unfortunately, in our culture, in, in the world around us, many people are way more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. And I don't know why that is. I think, it's, I think it's partially because Christians have sometimes mistreated. Either we've been extremely judgmental towards other people, or we've withdrawn from the relationship and said, I don't want anything to do with you people. And so because of these things, we've communicated a message somehow that we're against people and not for the people that God loves. And I think, you know, when, when Jesus was on the earth, one of the things he was criticized about the most was actually hanging out with people that were sinners. 
Um, there's this one, I was going to preach on uh, a guy uh, by the name of, um, it's going to come to me, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. You know the song. Zacchaeus was this, he was the chief tax collector. Now you may think, oh, tax collector, that's not bad, my cousin was a tax collector. No. In the Jewish world, the tax collectors were the Jews who kind of betrayed their countrymen, and they would exact taxes from their own people, and they would send them off to Rome. But not only were they doing that, but many of the tax collectors were taking more than their share and pocketing and lining their pockets with the rest. So they became very wealthy off the backs of their their own friends, family, and relatives. And Jesus, on this one occasion, sees Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, up in a tree because he was short trying to look at Jesus, and he goes to his house, and the religious leaders of the day are like, what are you doing in his house? And Jesus makes an incredible statement, and he he shares with us his mission, and he says this, he says that he came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is like, what do you mean, why am I hanging with this guy? I love this guy, I care about this guy, and Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Jesus, and his life is turned around because of the love and the acceptance that Jesus has for him. So uh, I wonder sometimes whether we get off track with the mission of the church, whether reaching people far from God becomes a secondary issue for us. Uh, There's one uh, company that's uh, headquartered out of the States that has done really good with their mission. Uh, Throw up the logo up on the screen, see if you can guess who this is. (laughs) Uh, This is one of the most recognizable symbols in all of the world. You can go anywhere in the world and people will recognize this symbol. And of course, it's Coca-Cola right? And Coca-Cola, they do one thing, really. They produce sugar water. (laughs) And they bottle it up, and they have different flavors, and they send it all over the world. And one of their goals, one of their missions as an organization is to have, you know, their product within arm's reach of every person in the world. And they're doing pretty good with their mission. In fact, uh, a number of years ago, I was in Haiti, and that's where I met Tony Jones. By the way, Tony Jones, a missionary, lives in Haiti, and he's here in Peterborough right now. He's speaking at some different places. You're going to hear from him next month. He's going to share an update. Uh, so look for him. But Tony uh, was, wanted to take me and the group that I was with up the mountain. He's like, there's this school I really want you to see. And, and so we're like, okay, where is it? He says, way over those mountain ranges. And so we get on these motorcycle taxis. They're like little dirt bikes. And a Haitian driving it, sitting on the back, trying not to fall off. And we drive up the mountain. For hours through these rough roads. Finally, we get off, and he's like, we're walking from here. For two hours, we're hiking over boulders up the side of a mountain through the clouds. We get to the top of this mountain range, and there's all these people up there. No electricity, no running water. It's like stepping back into the Stone Ages. Farmers living on the sides of hills, and it's an eight-hour walk to town, so they live up there, and they all come to the top of the mountain, and there's a market, you know, little like sticks with tarps, with their little thing, and they're selling beans, and they're selling fruit, and the things that grow. And at the top of this mountain, we're looking at this market, and everyone's like, white people, because no white people go there. There's no roads. And Tony's like, these people haven't seen white people. So all the kids are coming up and rubbing our arms, and everyone's like congregating around us. And this guy pulls out an old plastic cooler. He flips it open, and guess what was inside? Ice-cold bottles of Coca-Cola. Did we buy some? You bet we did, Right? <laughs> Were they amazing? Yes, they were. Did we pay way too much? You bet we did. All right? But it, I was remarkable because Tony's like, the gospel's never reached this place. And I'm like, how did Coke get here? Right? And so 
for the past six years, uh, there, was a, there was a school on top of that mountain because, of course, those kids can't go anywhere to school. And the government doesn't support teachers there up in the mountains. And so when we saw the school that was there, uh, we as a church have been funding that school, paying the teachers, allowing the kids to get an education. I think there's about 200 kids attending the school for the past five years, and it continues to grow. So we saw that. We stepped into it. But I wonder sometimes whether the church has lost sight of its mission to reach people who are far from God, whether we've been as committed as Coca-Cola, and we've got something so much better to offer people than sugar water. We have living water. We have the gospel, eternal hope. There's another symbol that might even be more recognizable than Coca-Cola. I'll throw it up on the screen for me there. Cross. This symbol is also recognized around the world. And it's remarkable to me that this has somehow become the, the symbol of the Christian faith, by and large. And I think it's remarkable because the cross was an instrument of death. You know this, right? It was an instrument of death. The Romans used the cross to publicly humiliate and to publicly uh, kill people in a way that was gruesome. And somehow that has become the symbol of our faith. Does that not surprise anyone? Like nobody has a gold chain with a guillotine on it. <laughs> nobody has a, has, a, has a gold chain with an electric chair. I'm like, this is my hope. But we have a cross. A cross. Like this... The cross, like the Romans built crosses and they killed people on it as a way to strike fear into the hearts of anybody, anybody who would revolt against them, rebel against them, break the law. They would nail people on these crosses so they would die slowly while their family and friends watched. Birds pecking at their heads. Is that too much information? It was gruesome. And somehow this symbol that was intended to strike fear into the hearts of people around the Roman Empire has become the symbol of hope and life for millions, maybe more than a billion people. Isn't that remarkable? How did that happen? How did this symbol that was supposed to strike fear into people's hearts become a symbol that sparks hope and life in those of us who follow Jesus? Well, the answer is because it was on that cross that God demonstrated that he is for us, that God demonstrated his love for people that hated him, where God poured out his love by giving himself on that cross and changing the narrative. On the cross, Jesus displayed for the disciples and for us these very words that he taught his disciples many years prior. So we're going to Matthew chapter 5, and this is part of his Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says these words, Matthew 5 verse 43, he says, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Now, this quote, love your neighbor, is actually from Leviticus. It's, it's from the Mosaic law. God had given the law to the nation of Israel, said live like this. And part of it, it said love your neighbor. Never said hate your enemy. People added that on because it made sense. Don't you agree? It makes sense to hate people that are against you. It makes sense to be against the people across the border who are trying to invade your land. It makes sense to divide ourselves into tribes and groups and to have us and them. We see it happening all over the place. Don't we see that happening in our world? We see it, you know, I've been watching some of the news on the, on the politics lately. And the thing that makes me sad is seeing there are these different parties with, with different things, different values, different systems they're trying to promote. But when they turn on each other 
And they start attacking one another instead of talking about what they're for. It breaks my heart. Because, I mean, it's funny. Like, my wife and I have kids. And when our kids start turning and attacking one another, it's like, time out. That's not the way we treat one another. And they're like, yeah, but we saw it on the news. It's crazy. Because it's an us and a them mentality. Anybody that doesn't agree with me, anybody who's not in my group is the enemy. Jesus is like, that's the way you've seen life done. That's the way you've experienced the world. And Jesus is going to make a a huge change. He says this in the next verse. But I say to you, here's where Jesus flips everything on its head. I say to you, love your enemies. (laughs) Everyone in the crowd got as quiet as you guys are right now. (laughs) They're like, what, what? No, no, Jesus, we're supposed to hate the Romans. Do you know what they've done to us? He's like, I want you to love your enemies. Like, whoa, do you know what my father-in-law did? Do you know how much my boss has stolen from my wages? Like, how... Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that, Jesus says, you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You could say sons and daughters, children of your Father in heaven. That's the point he's making. He's like, look, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know about God. That God is for people. That God continues to give and love people, even those who reject him. And it's easy for us to think, again, If we're Christians and we're in church, we think we're the insiders and there's people that are outsiders and we understand that language, but it's easy for us to think, well, God accepted us and we love people who are like us because they're our neighbors, but Jesus was constantly pushing back on what does it mean to be a neighbor? And when he answered the question, what does it mean to be a neighbor, he used people in his illustrations and stories that were not normally considered neighbors. Jesus says, listen, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and if you do that, you will be acting like the children of your Father who is in heaven. Then he says this, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends his rain on the just and the unjust. He says, let me tell you something about the way God works. i got an image of the sun. If you throw that up there. Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't know how this thing works. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows how this works, because you can't get close enough to check it out. This thing just continuously produces heat and light and radiation and all that that makes life possible. I know that much. Without the sun, we're gone. So the sun just keeps producing, 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 producing. There's there's nothing feeding it, to my knowledge. Like, we're not not putting oil or gas in this thing. It's just running. And Jesus like, let me tell you what your father's like. He's like the sun. He just keeps loving. He keeps giving. He's giving life to the earth. And that life and what he gives is coming on both the good and the evil. It's like, wow, God just keeps giving without strings attached. And that's a term that we've used over the years to talk about how we want to love our community. It's this idea of having no strings attached. Do you know something? It is extremely difficult to actually love with no strings attached. Do you know that? Like, I know that's kind of the way it's supposed to be in marriage. And whenever I do marriage sermons, I'm always talking about giving to the other person, expecting nothing in return. But that's really hard to do. Husband's in the kitchen helping out his wife, doing something that he doesn't normally do. And she's like, oh, that's so nice. And then a couple hours later, it's like, hey. There's a string attached, right? There's a string. You know, sometimes, let's go the other way. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's the wife. And she's, she's doing some extra stuff around the house or doing whatever to help her husband. And then it's like, she pulls out her credit card like, hey. You know, there's a string attached. 
It's like, I do something for you, you do something for me, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That's how relationships work, true? It is so rare, it is so rare in our world to truly give without strings attached. To do something for someone else, totally expecting nothing in return. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Look what he says next. He says, for if you love those who love you, your family, the people you work with, your friends... If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors, which again, were considered the worst of the worst, the the sleazy, those people. And he's like, even those people do the same. So I like to liken it to this. I use this example sometimes. I used it at a wedding recently. But it's this idea of when we're in relationship, Jesus is like, look, if all you're doing is I'm going to do something nice for you, then you do something nice for me. And then I buy you a Christmas present, and you buy me a Christmas present, and I help you with some chores, and you help me with my homework, and on and on. Jesus is like, look, everybody does this. That's life. There's nothing special about I help you, you help me. He's like, even the tax collectors do that. He continues, and he says this. He says, if you greet only your brothers, if you're kind and welcoming only to the people who are like you, part of your group, look like you, work at your place... And all you're greeting them, oh, hey, so good to see you, buddy. Oh, so good to see you. I give you a hug. You give me a handshake. Back and forth, the give and take, tugging the strings is the game we play. True? Jesus, like, everybody does that. And so he calls us, as those who follow him, to live by a different ethic. He says, if you're going to be like your heavenly father, then you truly love and you pour into someone else with no strings attached. And there's nothing coming back. And the problem with that, the problem with that is that when you give of yourself, when you love others, when you share your time, when you share your heart with others, and it doesn't come back, look what happens. You've poured out everything and you're now empty. Which means that you are completely dependent on God as your source to fill you up. And when God's people pour into others, and this can be in your marriage, This can be financially, this can be helping others, this can be praying for people. But when you pour into others, truly expecting nothing in return, your heavenly Father will give you the things you need, and he replenishes your cup. And now you have two full cups, so something's been added to the world. As long as we're giving and taking, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, nothing is added to the world. We're just trading chips, right? We're passing the same stuff around. But when we truly love the way God does, the son doesn't get anything in in return. It's just like, give 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 i don't know where its source comes from but i know where our source comes from comes from our heavenly father this is the image that jesus is pointing his disciples to to say listen this is how you're to live this is how you can love your enemy and you go how can i do that because your source of love your source of reciprocation is not your enemy it's your heavenly father is this making sense to anybody so this is the image i want us to have as we continue this conversation i'd be I don't want to miss this last part. Here's how Jesus finishes this conversation. <laughs> this is great. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And they're all like, no problem. We got that. <laughs> perfect. Now, there's something interesting. I don't have time to dive into all this. But in this particular Sermon on the Mount, I believe what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to paint a bullseye on the target. 
See, the people of his day thought, they looked around and were like, I'm, I give a lot of stuff away. I'm better than her. I'm better than him. I'm, I'm a good person. So therefore, you know, God accepts me. And he's like, whoa. What God's looking for is people that are like him. He wants us to love our enemies. He wants us to do good to those who, he doesn't want us to even have a thought of anger or evil towards our brother. And he just lists all this stuff. And so the people of the day thought, oh yeah, I'm a good person. They just kind of fire a dart out in the, like, ah, it's no problem. And Jesus literally paints a bullseye and he's like, perfect. That's the goal. And what he's trying to do is establish something, that there is an ideal. And, and as you read through the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing is giving us something to aim for in our relationships, with our motives, with our giving, with the way that we do life. He says, this is the bullseye. This is the target, perfection, like your heavenly Father. Now, of course, we know that there's always going to be the ideal and the real, right? Because I don't know if anyone in here has actually achieved the ideal. Anybody here perfect like their heavenly Father (laughs) and willing to raise your hand? No, I didn't think so. So... He points to the ideal, and without the ideal, we would all think we're doing pretty good. But when he marks that bullseye, and he says, there's the ideal, perfect, like your heavenly Father, we've all got work to do. None of us has done enough, none of us has arrived, and we move towards our heavenly Father, the ideal, instead of looking around and going, I'm doing pretty good. It removes pride, and it moves us in the direction of our heavenly Father. For us as a church, as we enter into this four Peterborough initiative and culture, Here's the ideal. Let me share with you the ideal for us, the church. Here's when we hit the bullseye. Pathway Church will alleviate all the problems in our community, show unconditional love to everyone perfectly. People will see our lives, our service, our generosity, and they will glorify our Father who's in heaven. That's the ideal. The real might look more like this. Pathway Church will do our best to organize and encourage our community to begin stepping out to love our community in unconditional ways. We won't solve every problem. We won't do it perfectly. Our motives will sometimes be wrong. Our generosity will lack in certain areas, and sometimes people will see us instead of our Heavenly Father. But we keep moving towards the ideal. We keep seeking to be like our Heavenly Father in spite of our failures. So we want to keep moving towards the ideal. I love what um, Andy Stanley says, because sometimes we see needs in our community, in our family, around us, and we think, I can't do anything about it. The needs are too great. There are a lot of needs in our city. We can't fix them all. So it's easy to look and go, well, it's too big of a problem, so I guess I won't do anything. But I love what Andy Stanley says because he gives us a way forward. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. There's always something that you and I can do individually and as a community. And one of the questions I've been kind of wrestling with over these past number of months is this question of what can we do for our community right now? And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago Uh, For the last year, I've kind of been thinking, man, when we get a facility, we can use our facility and open the doors to serve people and help and run programs. And then it dawned on me, if you're faithful with little, you'd be faithful with much. And I sense God being like, okay, you want to be for the community? Why aren't you starting now? You didn't need a building to reach your community for the last nine years. You don't need one this year. And it it just dawned on me that, you know what? We have to be for our city. We have to be reaching people with the love of Jesus And so, uh, what can we do right now? Anybody know what the biggest need in our city is right now? I hear housing. I think I heard homelessness. Yeah, you're right. All of those things. And they're all interconnected. Opioid use. Like, those three things are very, very much connected in many ways. And um, recently, 
I was able to meet uh, with Christian Harvey and Fred Sutherland, and the three of us met and began to just kind of figure out what, what, what is going on in our community, and I'm going to have Christian come and share more with you in the, in the upcoming months, um, as soon as he's able to come to share more. Uh, but as we, as we talked with him, we really found out that the, the issues are much more complex than people think, right? One of the reasons why there's so many people without places to live is because the housing prices have gone up. Because the housing prices have gone up, people who had rentals actually sold them to get the money out. And then the prices of rent then jump under the new ownership. And then all of a sudden, there aren't affordable places for people who are on disability and people who have fixed incomes. So we've got a, we've got a big problem, and it's connected to the Ten Landlord Tenancy Act. It's connected to the housing market. It's connected to all kinds of things. And I was able to meet with the mayor, uh, Diane, with a number of other pastors, and this is on the top of their agenda as a city to go, how do we resolve this? How do we move forward? And so how do we fix it? I'm not sure yet, but we're going to move in that direction. How can we as a church come along and support uh, one of the issues that is right in front of us in our community? And so as we move forward, the goal for this For Peterborough initiative is, uh, number one, this is important, it's not to promote our church. There's a reason why we're calling it For Peterborough and not Pathway for Peterborough, we want this to be a culture of generosity and love for a city that other churches or other people outside the church can jump in and be part of. And so we're being very clear about that. Uh, it's not about making us look good. It's not about uh, the actual goal of Fort Peterborough is to highlight needs in our community, to celebrate the good things that are taking place, and to encourage generosity and service in our church and in our community. That's our goal. That's what we want to do, and we think it starts with us. We're going to use the social media hashtag, hashtag Fort Peterborough. And, and we did check to make sure nobody else is using that hashtag. A friend of mine was telling me their business came up with this amazing hashtag that was all about their thing they were doing. And so they started promoting it to all their vendors and then found out there was like a bunch of porn stuff attached to that hashtag. And it was really bad for their customers. So we checked and it's clear. For Peterborough is good. Like nobody's using it. Uh, we've got the Instagram account for Peterborough. So we're going to use that as a tool to allow people to see what's going on in our community and I know uh, we're going to actually release something, uh, some sort of uh, uh, instructions on how to post and use the hashtag for our church at least because, um, again, there's this, there's this issue of like, why would we post about things that we're doing that are good, right? Aren't we supposed to like, aren't we supposed to do good and not be seen doing good? Aren't we supposed to not let the left hand, right hand know what the left hand, all that stuff? And the answer is yes. And so what we want to do is be very careful about how we're posting and the reason why is because we want to make sure that it's pointing to the right thing. So, for example, if a small group goes into the community to work with a local organization, and let's say the small group takes a picture, hey, here we are, you can post it like, hey, here we are being amazing, hands and feet of Jesus, hashtag aren't we awesome? Or, or that you could do the same thing you could post and be like, hey, I'm here with my group, and we just met this amazing person that's helping meet this need in our city. Here's how you can jump in and help to for Peterborough. That's very different because we're pointing to what's going on and we're pointing to people that need help and it's a way to allow other people in our city to see the needs and to see the opportunity they have to get in and help us. Does that make sense? So we're going to be very clear about how social media can be used because we don't want to be promoting Pathway Church. We don't want to be promoting ourselves. Look how awesome we are. But we also want to be able to get out there and be like, look at these amazing people, organizations that are doing amazing things. Come help us make a difference. Okay? Make sense? So we're going to do that. Here's how we're going to move forward. Um, I, was, I was really tempted to download on you guys like 15 service opportunities, and then nobody would do anything because there'd be so much stuff in front of us. 
so we're going to start with a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, over the upcoming months ahead, as we move forward, uh, we're going to be providing simple challenges to those of you who are part of our church. Like, you know, a simple challenge might be, hey, this week, let's all rake leaves for our neighbors and show them we love them. So that's like a simple challenge that an individual or family could just do and take away. Uh, we're also going to have ongoing partnerships, and these are things that we're going to be doing as a church. Um, so one of the ones that I want to let you know about today is uh, One Roof. Uh, as we talked with Christian, um, their One Roof uh, missions organization, what they're doing is they're actually feeding the homeless downtown. And one of the things that we're going to do as a church is we're going to be sending uh, groups of people in there every other week, hopefully indefinitely, but definitely for the next three months. So every other week, Pathway Church is going to provide the food that they need, the money to buy, purchase the food that they need, and we're going to send groups and volunteers in to help prepare the food, serve the food, clean up afterwards. And by us doing that, it relieves money and resources for them to attack some of the other homelessness and opioid issues. So it's a start. It's a start. And so I know small group leaders have already received a document with some of the dates. There are also some at the welcome table. If you're not in a small group, there are going to be opportunities where we're going to organize groups of volunteers that aren't in a group that can also go down and serve. So it's a start. It's an ongoing partnership we want to have to help with this issue in our city. Making sense? So I wanted to let you know about that. Um, one of the other things we're going to do is some, some church-wide events. And so uh, in the coming year, we're going to be having uh, some uh, events where we as a church go together and serve our community to show our love. And so by doing these three things on an ongoing basis moving forward, we're going to continue to be for our city. You know, um, yesterday I got a text from my, from my oldest son, and uh, he was with a bunch of the teens from our church at the Change Conference, and some of your kids were there, and uh, he was actually texting me stuff that they were preaching, which I think was pretty cool. Uh, as a dad, I was excited about that. Uh, but he sent me, this, uh, sent me this text, I wrote it down, that really stood out to him, and he said, hey dad, would you share this with the church? Because it meant so much to him. He said, uh, the speaker said this, he said, we need to stop asking what's wrong with the culture. We need to stop looking around the world like, what's wrong with everybody? It's going to hell in a handbasket. Like, everything's terrible. And what's wrong with those people? And he said, we need to stop asking what's wrong with the culture. We need to start asking, where's the church? Like, wow. What a great question. Where's the church? How do we engage with the culture and the people of our city? and make it a better place? How do we support local business? How do we let our community know that, that we're not just sitting in a room worshiping Jesus and turning our backs on them, but that we're truly for them? And I'm gonna ask us to do something totally awkward and something we never do. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand and if, however you're able to, to link arms together. Okay, you don't have to hold hands. I know that's awkward, but if you can just... So if you're sitting alone in a row, just kind of move over between and we just wanna link arms together. And we're gonna pray together um, that God that God would truly help us to be for our city. <laughs> there we go. We're bridging the gaps here between the aisles. That's fantastic. If you're a guest with us, I'm so sorry. I know, this is so weird. <laughs> you're like, I was just checking things out. Um, but if you live in this city, you've got skin in the game. God wants to do something in our city, and we have the opportunity to step in and be part of it. So. If you'll join with me, we're going to pray a prayer to say, God, would you help us to do this together as we move forward? And uh, we believe that God answers prayer. So, Father, thank you that you demonstrated your love for us while we were still sinners. 
while we were far from you and hated you, rejected you, didn't believe in you, you came for us. And Lord, you invite us to do the same for those who are currently outside the family of God. Help us, Lord, to love our community, our neighbors, even the people that are hard to get along with, people we even consider our enemies on the other side of the line. Help us to love them as you have loved us. And Father, today we commit as a church to, to having a heart that is for Peterborough, for our city. Help us to love without strings attached, and we know we can only do it with your help because you have loved us with no strings attached. So God, today in this place, we commit to being a church that is for our city because you're for our city. In Jesus' precious name, and everyone said. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.